I always said, if you're not embarrassed by your counter offer, it's not low enough. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 76. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. I don't know about you, but I've been at sales meetings. The person hasn't said yes to buying whatever whatever it is I'm selling. And then I've realized later they had an objection that I just wasn't aware of. And that basically comes down to, do you know the right questions to ask when you're in that situation? Mm, indeed. Hey, this is Rob and Kennedy. Hi. From Response Suite. Today, we're talking about the dirty word, sales. That is a dirty word. I've got something to tell you, but it's a bit of a secret. It's a bit of a secret. Oh, I see what you did there. You whispering because today we're chatting to the sales whisper, whisperer, whisperer, whisperer himself, Wes Schaefer. We are talking to Wes. We talk to him in a second. How do you feel about sales, Rob? Like we've been through a bit of a journey on sales, haven't we? Here, yeah. So I, we had some sales training fairly recently, actually. Cheers to uh, our man Chris for that, indeed. And along the way, I realised that everything that sort of uh, is good, uh, that everything that converts, if you like, when it comes to sales, is the polar opposite of my natural instinct to sell. So like selling, when I've sold uh, coaching and salting and stuff over the phone before, and Your body. I've done it, my, yeah, and I've done it myself, I always end up focusing on all of the stuff that I can do for them and all the stuff they're going to get. It's because we're, I think people like us who are, have been around marketing a long time are very much like, Tell them the benefits, tell them the benefits, tell them all the benefits. You've got loads of benefits, stack the value, stack the value. So, I mean, if you think about it, if you wrote a long form sales page or sales letter, Mm. it's lots of content. It's lots of, we can do this and we can do this and we can do this and we can do this. Whereas actually, if if it was a sales conversation on a screen, it would just be lots of silence. Like you don't say very much. You just ask them questions and, oh, and how does that make, you know, all of that stuff. And so when we did this interview, Uh instantly everything that Wes, Wes said I was instantly like, oh, that suddenly makes sense now because we've just had this sales training. That makes sense to me. I can see where that fits into the process. And it's so fun and easy when you know how to do it properly. It really is. Before we go into any of that stuff, and it's a great interview, you're going to love it. We're going to go into Rob's all-important quote of the week. Yes, because as they say, turn left at every roundabout because there is a new opportunity around every corner. And if that doesn't inspire you to take action, then what jolly well is going to make you take action? I know. Wes. Wes going to make you take action. Before we get into Wes, if you haven't registered for our amazing web class about how to use email and get better results from the email that you're already doing, make sure you go and head over to responsesuite.com slash webinar. There's still some, a few seats available. And we'd love to help you get the results you really want, the results you've heard of and the results you deserve from the emails that you're already sending out. Even if you haven't really started that, a lot of that email marketing stuff, you can get things right and not make the mistakes that so many of us have been making for years by using this campaign that we've been using. We're going to just teach it to you. It's completely free for you to register, show up wherever you are in the world. All you need is an internet connection, as you know. So just head over and, uh, and go to to responsesuite.com forward slash webinar. Indeed. Now, I just want to give a quick shout out to one of our newer listeners, uh, Peter Tud, who went ahead and posted a review on the old iTunes machine. And he says, uh, brilliant, was like the caption. Mm-hmm. And it says, my new favorite podcast. There you go. He's a man of distinguished taste. That's very kind of you, Peter. Thank, Thank you very you much. Very much you Peter. haven't left us a review yet. Yes, you naughty scoundrel. Now, yes. um, pop over and do it. It'll only take you a couple of seconds, but it makes a massive difference uh, to Burks like us who are trying to spread the word with their podcast. Uh, just go to responsesuite.com forward slash iTunes if you want to do it on iTunes, or of course you can do it on your favorite podcast network instead. Absolutely. Okay, let's speed to Wes. Wes, here we go. 
Make way, make way for His Royal Highness, His Majesty, Wes Schaefer, the Sales Whisperer. How are you, man? I like the way you say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually, as I say that, I'm actually rolling out an imaginary figurative red carpet as well. (laughs) No, you're actually rolling your eyes. I saw you on video before, okay? Don't don't BS a BSer. (laughs) (laughs) Love this. So excited to have you here. One of the things that I know lots of people do, and I am absolutely responsible for having done this, when you try and sell something, you try and make a sale of your product, is you're very, very excited to tell them all the things it's got. All the things it's got and all the things it does and all the things it'll do for them and how you'll be able to help them. And a lot of you layer up those benefits that you've been told so much about. All the benefits and all the features and all of that stuff. And you tell them how great it is. And they're going to get 400 videos that are going to show them exactly what to do and why and how and all the rest of it. And then at the end of it, a lot of us are disappointed with the conversion rate. We're not getting those amazing sale rates that we should do. What do you think most people are doing wrong in that bit? Uh, Everything you just said is wrong. So just stop doing that and you're going to be better. Okay. (laughs) And that, and actually we'll dig into that, but that's true, isn't it? Like stop doing everything I've just said, all the things that we think we should be doing as salespeople. Yes. And everything will be instantly better. Even if, even if you turned off the podcast here and please don't, because there'll be tons more ghouls, that would be better, wouldn't it? Right. Because sales has gotten a bad rap over the years. You know, there, I think it was Seth Godin. He wrote a book like marketers ruin everything. Hmm. You know, and uh, the, the word sell comes from the Norwegian word that means to serve. Okay. And, and true professional salespeople want to serve their clients. They know that's the best way to do things just as a human being. And now certainly with social media and everybody having smartphones in their pocket, I mean, they'll go live and just bash you. They'll go to Yelp and the Better Business Bureau and leave you a one-star review if you manipulate them. So even if you are uh, immoral, uh, unethical, and dishonest, uh, it's still in your best interest to serve your clients because they're going to light you up uh, if you mistreat them. And the way to serve is to first diagnose, you know, just like a doctor. Um, maybe I do have exactly what you need, you know, but just like a doctor, right? The, you know, the, the flu is going around in, in the winter, right? And, and you, you call in or you show up and, you know, you got puffy eyes and your nose is running and you're shivering. He knows with 99.9% certainty you have the flu, okay? But if he just walked out in the lobby and said, you have the flu, here, take this, you know, pay my $50 copay and get out of my office. <laughs> you know, some of us might be happy. Like, great. I didn't want to come in. Thanks for the prescription. You know, See you later. Let, me, yeah. let me get home and get in bed. But the reality is you, you do want to be seen. You want them to, to take your temperature. You want them to listen to your, take your pulse, listen to your chest, make sure, because maybe it is the flu, but maybe it's an advanced form of the flu and you've got pneumonia. Okay. Right. So bring me in you know, listen to my chest, you know, then diagnose. Because you took the time, I now trust your diagnosis and I trust your prescription, which is buy my widget, buy my consulting services, buy my iPhone, whatever it is you're selling, you know, so take the time to get to know them and dig in. So this is really about learning to ask the right questions, right? For sure. So again, I think 
when, when this sales conversation starts, let's imagine, for example, I'm a high ticket coach or consultant. I've got a, a prospect on the phone. I know they're interested in me because they've been through some of my content or something. And now I'm going to try and get them on the, on the phone. I'm going to sell them my, my service. Is there like a rule of thumb starting point that we can use to like kick off that conversation in a direction that's going to be much more about us inquiring about them rather than us saying, look at all this stuff. How do we start this? Yeah, you really, you almost never want to get into, look at all my stuff, okay? Because they, they found you uh, on purpose, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not like I'm just randomly dialing phone numbers and go, oh my gosh, I, I have a plumber on the line. Hey, <laughs> what, what do you do? You know? so, so when I, when I call... You know, or I go to your website and I, I schedule an appointment, you know, to have a conversation. Something has gone on. And, and it, this, is, this is the money question, okay? So they already could have hung up. But now they can really disconnect after this one, all right? But don't. <laughs> all right? But I would simply ask, hey, what has happened recently? What has happened that led to you scheduling this appointment with me today. Huh. That's okay. interesting. So because that's like the pre-frame. Like you're, trying to f- you're now figuring out their entire pre-frame. Some, something happened, okay? So like, I mean, literally later today at 4 p.m., I'm going to the chiropractor, okay? What has happened? You know? Well, I, do you want to talk I, about I, it? I mean, what has happened? Yeah. So I, I, I'm 49 years old and I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu five days a week and I'm just beat up. <laughs> yeah. So that's your so, why. That's the preframe we would get out, of you, get out of you at that point, right? Yeah. Now, now this is my regular guy that I go to, right? But if, but if I, let's say I schedule this for the first time. When I go in and this is what he did, right? I filled out the form, uh, answered all the questions, any allergies, blah, blah, blah. Then he's like, what's happened? What's going on? Why are you here? Just, just for a maintenance? Do you have any injuries, any rehab? He gets to know me, right? And so, but, so when somebody calls on the phone, like with me, you know, with, with consulting, they, they want sales training, they want business coaching, you know, be like, hey, what is going on? What has led you to schedule this call with me right now? Because something has happened, okay? Business is down, maybe business is up. Okay, and, and they're looking for ways to scale, ways to become more efficient, uh, which tools they should add to their arsenal to, to become better, more streamlined. Okay, and, and don't just assume, well, everybody wants to grow sales. That's not true. Sometimes people, uh, they want to just maintain. Sometimes they maybe even want to scale down. Right. You know, that they want to, uh, 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 there's a company just yesterday, they, they laid off some people. Uh, they, they're an agency kind of like me. They, they had an original goal to grow to $10 million. And they're like, we don't want to be a $10 million agency. We want to be a $5 million agency and have more of a lifestyle. Okay. So don't assume anything. Okay. Really interesting. The, the other thing they might be doing as well is they might be trying to change market, for example. They might be saying, hey, we're currently doing five days a week with a client every day. And actually what we want to do is two clients a week for two days a week. And we want to earn the same amount. So it's about shifting market position too. So there's a load that can be uncovered just by asking that question. So when you go into this sales conversation, you're, you're, you're now you've got that sort of pre-friend, you know, where they're coming in. You're sort of 
how do you like dig? To, do you, do you, are you a fan of sort of digging for pain? Is that a bit old school? Where do you take it now? No, it's not old school at all. Uh, but there is, this has been uh, documented via artificial intelligence. Okay. And I've had guests on my podcast um, that do this and they have analyzed sales calls. So the old adage is you have, you have two ears, one mouth, use them proportionately. Right. And, and that's roughly true. But what they found by analyzing thousands of sales calls is that the reality is it, it's more evenly matched insofar as who is doing the talking. So it's, it's close to 50, 50, but the harder questions are answered very early in the sales conversation, even if you, you may have two or three or five calls, right, from a more complex sale, maybe a higher ticket, mm-hmm. but competitors are discussed. Pricing is discussed, you know, because if, if, my, if my baseline consulting is 10 grand a month for six, for, for six months uh, and you only have five grand, period, mm-hmm. I, it's wasting my time and yours to do a song and dance. Uh, you know, and, and have 12 phone calls before I discuss price. So your approach so, here, Wes, seems to be almost, sorry to interrupt you there, but I just want to clarify, that's really, really interesting because what, what often happens in the marketing, classic online marketing, massive sales letter sort of way is you stack value, 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 and you hold off on the price until, whereas here, they're sort of pre-qualified to a certain degree, but it sounds a lot like what you're trying to do is get that on the table first so you don't waste any more of their time or your time and completely necessary. Exactly. Cause it's, and, and I'm not going to give an exact quote cause we just started talking, but if you know, the conversation is, Hey, thanks for reaching out, you know, and hopefully you have somewhere in your website and your branding, somehow word has gotten out that, you know, you are, you're more of a Mercedes versus a Chevy. Right. Okay. So hopefully that you, you have that branding, that, that understanding. But I mean, yesterday I, I'm talking with uh, a company that wants me to come out they, we're looking at a, at a 60 to 90 day engagement, uh, help them with their CRM, help them train their salespeople, but they need help developing uh, the, the cadence, even some of the content, you know? So I said, look, you know, rough sketch, like this is going to be at least 15,000 up to $30,000. Are, are you okay with that? Is that kind of what you're thinking? And you know, we can, we can adjust it you know, tweak it a bit, but you know, this is not a $5,000 engagement. Are you okay with that? Absolutely. That's, that's what we were thinking. Okay, great. Right. We can continue the conversation. Right. Right. Uh, and if they go, holy cow. Oh, oh no, man. We, you know, we, we have a thousand dollars for this. I'm like, yeah. dude, I, you know, you can buy one of my courses, but sure. And that's great because it's important to realize that actually there's no point in trying to drag $50,000 out of a thousand dollar client or a $5,000 client or saying, well, you know, and if you were selling B2C more likely, let's spread it over 15 credit cards. And you've also got a really interesting opportunity, which is if you say this is 15 grand, like your client was, this is 15 grand. And they go, Ooh, uh, we kind of had five, but tell me what you can do for 15, you kind of got an inkling that they can probably now get their hands on the 15. So they're, they're sort of willing to justify it. Whereas if it was just a hell no, then you know where the conversation stops. Exactly. Most people um, can find the money for what they need, right? What's truly interesting to them. Okay. And so, but that's where you start to bubble things up, right? You you know, yeah, exactly. You know, and I learned this, I was in the Air Force years ago, and I was in, stationed in Korea, and I learned, 
uh, how to negotiate at the age of 23. It was great because okay. you, you go into town and, uh, you know, say, Hey, come, come here. I got this leather jacket for you. I'll make you a great price. You know, $400. <laughs> right. And you're like, okay, it's, you know, it's a five or $600 jacket, right? If you bought it back in the States, mm-hmm. and if you go, Hey, I, I'll give you three fifty, and they go, um, well, how about three seventy five? If they're like kind of casual. So you don't know what their bottom dollar is. So you got to go. I always said, if you're not embarrassed by your counter offer, it's not low enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, wow. I love that. Okay. So I'd say $50. And if they be offended, <laughs> yeah, well, you want them to look like you just shocked them with a, a cattle prod, right? <laughs> ah, dude, you know, like they just cringe like, no, you're like, okay, now I know I'm too low, but that's fine. Now I can work up, but you're more likely to now get the jacket for 200 instead of 375. Right. Okay. But, but yeah, so going back to the point, you know, they're like, oh man, wow, 15. I mean, we, we were budgeting five. Um, so now you start to diagnose. Why were you budgeting five? How is this impacting you? Okay. If we have to get our prospect to put a price on their pain, mm-hmm. okay, that's where the magic really happens. Because as we're talking, you know, again, what happened? Well, here's what's going on. And I just had a phone call before this. The guy has MailChimp for his email. He has ClickFunnels, uh, but he's growing. He's growing. He's growing his team. He needs a CRM for to manage the contacts. He needs to be able to assign roles. You know, I'm like, how is this going to impact your business if you don't have these abilities? Right. He's like, too much manpower. Uh, we're having. It's too hard to manage the lists. Uh, we're losing sales because we're we're emailing customers with offers as though they were a prospect. So they're either getting offended or they want the discount that we offered, you know? So in round dollars, how would you say, how much is this impacting you? Like, yeah, man, this is like, it's a $2,000 a month problem right now. And as we scale, this could be a $20,000 problem per month. Yeah. Per month. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So if if I were to show you a $3,000 a month option that, that removed a $20,000 pain. Is there any reason you could, you could see not moving forward? Hell no. If you can save me 20 grand by spending three, I'm all ears. Fantastic. Now the price objection is off the table. And I love that we're now in the realm of talking about one of my all time favorite subjects. I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to pricing. Like I'm obsessed with pricing models, obsessed, like it's disgusting. So what I would like to ask you based on your model here is, where do you pitch that initial higher price that you're going to go in for in relation to the price you're really happy to go with? So let's say in this example, you'd actually be happy going out with X, but you went in there at 15 with the ability to negotiate down. What's your like actual price you want? And how much would you advise people as a general rule of thumb, obviously not no hard and fast to actually pitch that initial price up at? Well, you, you need to price your services and services are different, obviously than physical products. Of course. Right? Uh, unless it's your own product and you know, you've got some kind of trademark or patent on it. Uh, but assuming, you know, we're talking about services, you need to price your services based on the value that you bring. Okay. I've got a client right now. Uh, I'm helping them with their HubSpot account. And 
and, and they asked me to help them with something this morning. It took me three minutes to fix. Okay. It would have taken them probably 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, but I've used the software for five years. I've made 897 calls to support and, you know, learn this stuff. Yeah. So, so do I charge based on three minutes or do I charge based on the hour I save them? Right. Okay. So, so as we're talking, so let's say this guy tells me, yeah, this is a $20,000 a month problem. Hmm. And let's say I'm happy to make three grand. Mm-hmm. Well, Am I ripping them off if I charge 10 grand? Well, you're still saving them 10 grand a month for the first month and then go and going forward. I mean, it seems great, doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe I charge, maybe it's a, as a one-time deal, it's 20 grand. Maybe it's 50 grand because it's 20 grand a month. So it's a $240,000 problem to them per year. Okay. So it's all in how you position it. You know, maybe you're happy with three grand, but you know what? You can underprice yourself and lose the sale. Yeah, done it. <laughs> you know, certain people, you know, of certain caliber, they, they just expect to pay more. And they've even done studies that we're actually happier when we pay more for certain things. They, they did a study where they, they wired up people's brains, you know, those electrodes on, on the scalp mm-hmm. and gave two cups of, uh, of wine. You know, they put it in two different glasses and they said, this is, you know, a $12 bottle from the local store. Uh, this one is a $400 bottle brought from the basement, you know, and it was found in a shipwreck and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, and their pleasure sensors in the brain lit up, you know, and then they said, oh, by the way, those are both the same glasses of wine. And it was a $12 bottle. Wow. Isn't that really interesting? The perception of that thing. The perception of the value is what gave them greater pleasure. Wow. That's really, really interesting. Now we're going to interrupt proceedings here to play our first game of the episode. And the game is, I'm very proud to tell you, is, is, is got a great title. It's called Where's Wes? Okay. So Where's Wes? We're going to describe a number of different places in the world or situations that you could be in, Wes, and your job is to guess where you think you might be based on the description. So your first one, here's number one, there's 10 of them. Number one, you are surrounded by casinos and Celine Dion's on every 20 seconds. Come on, man. That's my house. She, she's outside right now. I didn't even <laughs> she's doing the oh. laundry, isn't she? <laughs> All right, so we're in Vegas. We are in Vegas. Okay, the second one. This happens in a tent. It's kind of a show that used to have animals in it, but it has animals in it less now. Uh, and there's like clowns are there, and they're doing all sorts of things, and they'll pack up in a big tent and go somewhere else. Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey Circus. Yep, the circus, yep. Um, we would get diagnosed here. Hospital or doctor's yep. office. There we go. This is a place where uh, there's lots of really old things, not like an old people's home, but there's loads of really old things, uh, antiques and stuff that you don't get to see very often. And you would pay money to go and look at old things. Uh, a museum? Yes. There we go. Uh, this is uh, at this thing, lots of things are appearing and disappearing and uh, levitating and, 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 and things are, that are not possible are happening. Like a magic show? Yes. There we go. This is a mode of transport uh, that you're on, and it's going very, very fast. Uh, there are lots of um, lots of bits linked together, and it, it pulls it uh, down. 
Yes, yes, a train. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody in this is facing the same direction, and they're all looking at something at the other end of the room that's happening. And um, like a school or a theater or a, a theater? Play? Yes, yes. Okay, this one. There's lots of people, and they're all sitting in a room, all facing the same direction. <laughs> <laughs> and this one is they're watching somebody giving some sort of presentation or talking about something, probably all day or maybe for several days. Oh, yeah, a conference or a workshop. That's it. No, and uh, next, this is where this is actually hard to do without saying any of the words. Um, you you've got some you've got something you need to send across to to, to somebody else, but you're not going to hand deliver it. You're going to post office. Yes, the post office. Yes. Okay, this one, last one. This is a building where they make a type of food. The food that they are making is uh, made of uh, pork. Usually, uh, it gets wrapped into like little tubes and then uh, put into a packet. A baseball game. No, no. Keep so this is, the building, uh, this is the place where those things get made. So it's a, it's a building where they've got lots of butcher. like machinery and conveyor belts and stuff. Like a slaughterhouse or a butcher? Yeah, you're close. Very yes, close. Going. Uh, so it's... Um, uh, Have you got anything else, Rob? No, I've run oh, out. Oh, he's run out. It's Never Rob's mind. fault. Nine out of ten. That was a sausage factory. Oh, so oh, you're very specific. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was pretty specific. And we'll see you same place next year for another episode of Where's Where's. Where's. <laughs> so back to back to the back to the normality of sales. Here's a question that I've got, and it comes back to this. It comes back to this um, this this value pricing piece. There's something you really interesting you said there, which is if you do this thing, and that's that's you know solving a two hundred and forty thousand dollar a year problem for them, then it's well and truly worth a one time payment of ten grand now. Right? Okay, great. That that's amazing. And obviously, everybody's $240,000 a year problem, that number's probably going to be different and they're going to be in different circumstances. So what do we need to do in order to get them to, uh, to tell you what that problem's worth to them? Can you just ask? Can you, ask, can you like, be as blunt as to say, what's that, what's that costing you right now? You, you can. Um, uh, and if, if, it's just, if it's new to you, by all means, just ask. Okay, you, you got to get good at having these conversations. And sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable, but you need to be comfortable being in the presence of uncomfortable people. You need to be comfortable making them uncomfortable. Right? Just like the doctor, when you go, you know, they're like, okay, take off your clothes, put on this robe, sit on that crinkly paper in this cold office the doctor will be in in a moment. Right. Okay, the doctor needs access to you. Okay, and the doctor is very comfortable with you being uncomfortable, that's fine. All right, so now are there, are there you know, better ways, like you know, the old bedside manner? Yes, mm. you know, how you conduct yourselves. And there you can soften things up, like, okay, well, you know, in, in round numbers, how would you say this is impacting you? You know, and well, I, I, I'm not comfortable sharing that information with you. Right? It's just like going to the doctor. I, I'm not comfortable disrobing. Well, <laughs> Get out of my office. I, I need to examine your body. It's what I do. If you don't let me examine you, I can't diagnose. I can't prescribe. It's malpractice. So, uh, you know, either get undressed or leave. Okay. So when they go, well, I'm not comfortable discussing that with you. I say, well, you know what? I apologize. Uh, I must have done something that uh, has created hesitancy, uh, distrust, uh, unease with you. And so... I mean, can you kind of walk me back through this? I mean, I do this every day and people are usually pretty comfortable. What was it, something I said? Was it, well, I mean, no, it's, I've just, have you been ripped off before? Yes. You know, have you been mistreated? Yes. Have you been lied to by vendors? Yes. They always overpromised. They underdelivered. 
I, I know I, I, it happens to me. I understand. But, you know, here's the deal. I, I need to know what's happening to even know if I can help you. Well, I was just hoping you could like give me a demo, kind of go through the PowerPoint presentation, maybe send me a catalog and, you know, I'm like, really? You know, I, I have 12 presentations. I have two gigabytes worth of data. You know, I have a 1200 page website. Do you really want to look through all that? Or can you ask a few questions? Let me narrow this down and then, I'll give you the two or three or five pages that you need instead of the 300. Well, yeah, okay. I, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because it's, it's not that they distrust you. The fact that they're with you means they, they kind of trust you. At least they're hoping to trust you. Right. But the reality is we've all been let down. We've been mistreated, you know? So we, we need to understand great salespeople have great empathy. Right. Right. We can see things from their perspective. We can walk a mile in their shoes. And so we we, you know, literally or figuratively go around the table, sit on the same side of them and, and see things from their perspective. Like, look, man, I'm in this with you. You know, I really am here to help. But I, I need you to answer these questions for me to see if I even can. Mm. I'm great. What's great about that is it all comes from a place of, I need to know this because otherwise I can't help you. And I think if you actually, if we keep coming back to this medical analogy, if, if, you know, for us listening to this here, I know that if I think, hmm, if I keep thinking about this medical analogy, it all makes more sense. And actually it makes me more comfortable asking the questions as well. Now let's imagine you've got this thing that you sell. Maybe it's a specific product or coaching or something. And you're going to have, I don't know, 10 conversations this week with 10 different people. And you know that at the beginning of them, they're all going to start with a hello. And at the end of them, some of them are going to close with a sale and some of them aren't. I guess my question is, are you expecting the last segment of that call? In other words, the bit where they get closest to making a purchase. Are you expecting that to kind of be the same on every call? In other words, are you expecting that. I'm going to keep asking them questions and having a conversation until they get to this point and they're all going to get to that point. And then that, at that point, I'm like, right, I'm done now. I'm, I can now close the sale. Or is this a really different process from person to person? How standardized can this conversation get? It can get very standardized. And, and I use the analogy of dating, right? If you... Now if, you've got our attention. <laughs> You know, say you walk into a club, you walk into a party, uh, and people are like, salespeople are like, I don't like scripts. Scripts don't work. I feel too bound up and too restrictive. I just got to be myself. Oh, you're going to wing it and just shoot from the hip, right? You know, go with the flow. Be in the moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, B-S. <laughs> how, much, how much money did The Rock make last year? More than most any other Hollywood actor, I think. Uh, pretty much. Over $65 million. Okay, and what does The Rock do for a living? Reads out scripts. Reads scripts. <laughs> he reads a script. He makes it his own, right? I, I guarantee you they kind of ad-lib a little bit. They, right. they modify it from the original. Maybe it takes three or five or seven takes, okay? But it is not, you know, they don't, they, he doesn't create a scene where he's, you know, shooting a big gun to eating broccoli, okay? It's, it's. <laughs> Maybe he goes from a big rifle to a big sword. Okay, but he's still within that realm, uh, that, that range. And so humans are the same way, right? If, if I show up and ask women, right? All oh, these cheesy lines, blah, blah, blah. You know what? You could just walk up and say, hi, my name is Wes. What's your name? 
they would be shocked, right? Oh, no cheesy come online, you know, right. no, yeah. And and you, you would literally shock them to go, uh, uh, hi, I'm Mary. Yeah, okay, great. And now you, if you get them the same old thing, hey, do you live around here? What do you do? How often do you come here? What's a nice girl doing in a place like this? You know, it's like boring, <laughs> boring. So you strike up a, a different kind of conversation, you know. It's the best thing to do, like in that case, is to pay someone a sincere compliment. And it's harder for men to women because they think we're flirting. And maybe we are flirting, and but we don't want to come across as flirting. So um, you're going to have to be a little bit creative because dudes don't just normally walk up to them and go, oh, my gosh, I love your shoes. Where did you get them? <laughs> okay. You're, you're not going to win that sale. <laughs> so, so come up with a different opening. Maybe it's just, hi, how are you? Uh, and, and be honest, right? Be sincere, be curious. All right. And so as you go through this conversation now in the sales environment, when I'm doing it right, when I'm firing on all cylinders, the customer is like, okay, how do we start? Right. Right. That's where I'm, that's where I'm shooting for. So, you know, 25 years ago when I was dating, you know, uh, I knew I was doing it right when the girl asked me to dance or maybe I asked her to dance and then she goes, oh, thanks. And then she comes back around and Hey, you want to answer this song? Okay. I did right. something. Right. Hmm, hmm, hmm. You know? and, and I love that. I love that. And a little, a little technique I've used when I'm doing the compliment thing. Cause I'm kind of, I really, I'm really interested in the compliment thing. And one of the ways I got around the whole, is it being creepy thing? Um, when I, again, when I'm doing, when I'm doing business is I'll say, so in the shoes example, I'll say, my girlfriend would love your shoes. So it now sounds like I've admired those shoes, but I'm also saying I've got a girlfriend and this is not like some weird scenario. So yeah, I found the chest. Yes. Yeah. In business, yeah, in business. Now, yeah, if you're trying to get a date, uh, you're going to be tough to get that date. But it yeah, depends it, what clubs you go to. But. Yeah. <laughs> yes, if it's in business, then you, yeah, absolutely. Like I, over the years, I've gotten my wife diamonds, right? The earrings, one anniversary, a necklace for another. So yeah, I could, I could say, Oh my gosh, I got an anniversary coming up. Uh, I love that necklace. You know, uh, thinking of adding to that for my wife, my ask, where'd you get that? Mm-hmm. Right. So you position it. So you're, it's not a come on and, and it is sincere and, and yeah, you're going to have a great conversation uh, from that point on because people love compliments because you're validating their judgment, their decision-making. Uh, and we all want to be complimented and validated and, and you're going to have such an easier conversation with them. That's amazing. I, I love that idea of, and I've never, ever heard that before. All the sales training I've ever seen and read about, the idea of validating them. And the reason for the compliment there, which I want to just like, I know everyone's listening, but like, I want to say it again just for myself, which is the reason to give that compliment is because you're validating their ability to make good decisions and their judgment, which is what you're going to intend that they're going to do next. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, the, the whole thing to pull out of this episode is ask more questions, ask better questions. So on the sort of, uh, you know, let, let's look on the edgier side of this. Are there any questions that you hear a lot of bad salespeople or salespeople generally saying that are the wrong questions to ask? In other words, is there any such thing as a bad question? And do you hear those questions being asked a lot? Yeah, I, I usually hear it uh, in the beginning with the openings. Hi, how are you? You know, hey, oh, hey, how's the weather over there? Right? Just these fillers, just these empty, nothing right. kind of I questions. 
I don't know if it's the same in the US, but certainly here, when we get cold calls from people who are literally blasting dead of completely stone cold lists, the right. first question is, uh, hey, is that Kennedy? And Kennedy would say, yeah. yes. And then the, the salesperson would say, how are you? And you instantly, you instantly dislike them. Yeah, instantly. <laughs> I'm like, uh, who are you? <laughs> how am exactly. I? Who are you? Why are you? What are you? Will you please go? When? Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. So that's, how you open is huge. Okay. Okay. We all make snap decisions. It's, it's literally in our brains. It's how we have evolved and survived as a species. You know, it, in, in the back of your brain, like if you're just walking down a trail and out of the corner of your eye, you see something, you know, kind of long and skinny, you, you jump before you realize, oh, you know, that's a snake and you go, oh, it's a stick. But you, your, your body physically reacts before you consciously know what you did. And we do that. In, in the wild, you know, at, at Starbucks, at the grocery store, okay, at the stadium, we are sizing people up. Uh, we, we're taking in the whole picture. What's your hair like? Do you have facial hair? Do you have a lot of jewelry? How do you smell? What are your shoes like? You know, are your shoes shine? Are you in shorts? Do you have dirt on your fingernails? I mean, we make, we, we scan the whole body in half a second. And we start to make judgments. Okay, is this person a friend? Are they a threat? You know, and it's just, it's literally in our DNA and that, that's what's going on. So we, we need to understand where our prospects are. And as salespeople, we have to adjust how we sell to match how they buy. Right? We have to meet them where they are and then take them on a journey. Yeah. Okay, we can't be up the, on the high mouth and go, yeah, you, you little peon prospect, you, you know, too, too dumb to drive a Mercedes. You're driving that lowly BMW. Get your butt up here. And if I think you're worthy, I'll let you test drive my Mercedes. No, no, right? They drive on the lot in their BMW. You know, I'm, I'm like, dude, you got a five series? That's a great car. Why, why do you want to get rid of your BMW? Right? If I go, man, what an idiot. You've been, I'm surprised that thing even made it here. You're the first one that's actually driven on its own power. Usually they're towing this thing and pushing it in. <laughs> You're telling them that, they, that they're dumb, right? But I'm going, dude, that's a great car. The 535, that thing's, why do you want to get out of a BMW? Oh my gosh, well, let me tell you. You know, interior, sound, transmission, it's leaking oil, blah, blah, blah. Support was terrible. Uh, oh, wow. Hmm. You know, low end torque, you know, passing, whatever. Oh, oh, oh. He's telling me exactly how to sell him. Wow. That's really right? good. So you're literally, you're, you're, you're pulling that. Not only, look at the psychology there, which is just fascinating. Not only are you complimenting their ability to make really good decisions at that beginning bit, but also you're creating a positive frame around yourself. So when they see right. you, you're the positive guy going, that's a great car. That was a yeah. good decision. That's brilliant. Rather than being the guy that they associate negativity with, which no one wants to deal with, right? Exactly. That's He's that. telling me, telling me exactly how he wants to buy. Right. Right. So I'm going to show him a different model. I'm like, oh, low end power, you know, from start to 60, you know, oh, from 60 to 90 for passing. Oh, okay. Headroom, quality interior. I'm going to go show those things. Yeah. yeah. You know, makes it so much easier. 
right? Because there's, there's 287 things I could show on this car. But the reality, again, what happened? Something happened, right? I was on a date and the headliner just dropped in my date's face. It was so embarrassing. The car, yeah, it's five years old. It's not new, but it's, it's only five years old. You know, I paid 70,000 pounds for this thing. The freaking headliner should last longer than five years. I agree. That's terrible. You know, let me show you. You know, have you been in the Mercedes lately? No, I haven't. Come on in. Hmm. Right? What's the, I'm not going to show them. I'm not going to show the, the screen. I'm not going to show the leg room in the back. I'm going to sit them down and say, touch the roof. Huh. Right? Feel that. Right? I mean, and you could be done right there. Right? No test drive. I mean, really, who needs a test drive of Mercedes? Right. You know? I mean, yeah, you probably will, but they don't have to. You know, so if they're ready to buy it, they're like, holy crap, this is nice. Like, feel the steering wheel. Feel that. Oh, feel the handle on the door. Oh, yeah. Feel the, the, the armrest in the center. Look at this, the double stitching. Oh, yeah. This thing's quality. Talking yeah. their language. Totally. And, yeah. and also not getting in the way of the sale as well. You know? that no, because at the end of the day, if this person doesn't care about how loud the music goes, because they're, they're, they're annoyed by loud music, there's no point in putting the stereo on. Yeah. You may yeah. as well show the stuff they care about. Yeah, super cool. So we're going to interrupt proceedings now for the second and final time in the game to play our second and final, in the podcast episode rather, to play our second and final game. Here's how it works, Wes. This is our favorite. Uh, my colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. He's going to sing a song for you now, Wes. You'll be pleased to hear. But he's going to sing a song in the style of a traditional British pub singer. Now, that means that some of the words will be somewhat difficult to understand, all of them. And your job, Wes, and of course our listeners at home, at the end of this is to simply guess what song this is an excerpt from. Take it away. In between my dream, a city has and Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, you've got it, haven't you? You've definitely got it. What do you think it is? So, so I, I turned Siri on to listen to help, me, <laughs> to help me cheat, and my computer just shut down. It just, uh, oh. Any idea at all? I am going to say that was uh, Prince uh, Purple Rain. So close. I'm sure you did a cover of this. <laughs> it was actually Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. The theme tune from Titanic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Listen, to delete, the recording, delete this episode. I cannot be associated with you. You do not have my permission. This is, where's my agent? Where's my, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> We're now going to go kicking and screaming into If I had an agent, they'd be fired. I'm going to fire myself for agreeing to this. <laughs> We're going to head into the quick fire round. You don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So, Wes, give us a book that you recommend. Oh, man. I'm going to give you an odd one. Uh, it's called Winning Through Intimidation by Robert Ringer. Wow. It's an older okay. book. Uh, maybe, I don't know, from the 70s, 80s. Uh, I'm actually friends with him on Facebook. 
Um, he was a real estate um, um, investor, and uh, it's it's not as violent or mean as it sounds, but it was about positioning and how he established himself, you know, to show up in a big way. And people were, you know, intimidated, and they they trusted he knew what he was doing, and he made a whole lot more sales. That's really, really interesting. So what would be a sort of top success habit of yours? Something that you do on the regular? Uh, go to bed early so I can get up early. Nice. What, what time's early in the morning for you to get up? Uh, before five. Wow. That is early. So yeah. Wow. Very cool. Can you give us a, a marketer or an entrepreneur that you really look up to? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch. Um, one guy I've gotten to know over the years, uh, he's here in Southern California, Pat Flynn. Yeah. Uh, smart, smart passive income, really good guy. That's yeah, absolutely. Just, just genius and, and really rolling it out there. Okay. Wow. So, uh, what are some of your favorite apps and, uh, and sort of that kind of thing that you are thinking are really cool that maybe run your life? Um, I have a text expander on my computer. Um, and it's built into your Apple products. I don't know what it is on the Android, but I think it's like a, a text replacement sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I can't live without it. I probably have over a hundred short codes, everything from my calendar, my, my bio. If somebody says, oh yeah, we want you to speak, send us your bio. I, I type in West bio, all one word. It'll send them two paragraphs. Okay. Oh, what's that called again, Wes? Uh, the app on my on my Mac is called Text Expander. Hmm. Okay, and it's built in natively into your iPhone, into your iMac, everything. And so through the cloud, I can build it on any device. You know, I have an I have an iPad, I have an iPhone, I have a MacBook Pro, I have an iMac. So if I build it one time, it goes everywhere. So you know, my I have affiliate links right for. Infusionsoft for Entreport, and some of these are like eighty or a hundred characters long. Right. Somebody says, you know, hey, do you have a link? You know, I type in I demo. It's, it'll sends this whole big long URL. Wow. Um, so, but yeah, addresses. My my own email. My email is kind of long. Wes at the saleswhisper.com. It's easy to to mistype it. Mm. The Wes E boom spells out my email address. I can't tell you. I probably use that fifty times a day. Huh. Just that one thing. That is so good. And that's, I am 100% going to go and look that up. That straight is after this. absolutely massive. A big important question here now, so think very carefully. Who do you like more, redhead Rob or platinum haired Kennedy? Oh, man. Uh, red haired Kennedy? That's, <laughs> he doesn't exist. That's a nice try. <laughs> I, I like what you did there. I like your yeah. building rapport stuff going on there. Bye. <laughs> Finally, Wes, you've got so many amazing resources around there and so much to give and a lot of content. Where can people go who are hang on every word and they want to know more about you and what, and what you do and what you've got to share? Where should we go to check you out? Everything is uh, at thesaleswhisperer.com. So yeah. you can contact me, get on my calendar. There's my social media is there. My phone number's there. So uh, I'm pretty easy to reach. Absolutely amazing. Awesome. Dude, thank Great. you so much for joining us. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
I mean, that fits so perfectly with our mantra of ask questions, find out about people and then sell them the right stuff, doesn't it? It does. And I think you've got to just get out that, that traditional marketing mindset when you're doing sales. Like, remember, there's an iron curtain between sales and marketing. With, with a lot of marketing stuff, especially if it's like online marketing, like you said before we brought Wes on, actually, uh, you talked about having a long sales copy, uh, sales page. And the thing is you have to deal with everybody there. You're not in a conversation, but whereas if you are having a conversation, if you're selling like coaching or whatever it is, a higher ticket item, then it's really worth only addressing the things that they care about because everything else is a distraction to them to start asking questions and bringing up objections that they themselves hadn't even considered. And there you are, a quote unquote salesperson raising more objections, the Mm -hmm. opposite of good salesmanship and productivity. Loads of stuff in this episode as ever. So if you missed anything, we've put together all of the show notes for you. You can find them over at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash 077. And if you haven't already, make sure you go over to your favorite podcast player, wherever you're listening to this right now. And just take two seconds to let us know your favorite takeaway, your favorite episode if you're a, a long-time listener, or just give us a name check and say hello if you're a brand new listener to the show. That's all for this week. We'll see you right here back next week. Don't miss a thing. Miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.